that's how I want them to remember me is, hey, our mom was a mom. She was a good wife. You know, she she was a good daughter. She raised us really well. She took this hiatus from her career. She took a break to raise us. She went back and she saw what she wanted and she went for it. She didn't let anything stop her. So we shouldn't let anything stop us either from achieving our own successes. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for tuning into your go-to podcast, talking all things career, money, and business, The Free Retiree Show. I'm your host, Wealth Manager, Lee Michael Murphy, and I'm joined alongside interview coach and Silicon Valley mentor, Sergio Patterson. What is up, everyone? For today's discussion topic, we're going to be talking about women speaking out and being heard in corporate America. All too often, we hear women say, they aren't being heard at their companies, that their voices are often ignored. They feel they can't communicate their true feelings of how they feel in the workplace. And obviously with societal, organizational and personal pressures that they experience on the daily that their male counterparts don't, the true feeling of are they being heard is one that many of them feel that they struggle with every day. And as a result, when they're passed up on promotion opportunities and advancement opportunities, that they're all often too capable of and very well do deserve. So Serge, you and I have talked about this at length. How do you feel about where the culture is at in Silicon Valley, in corporate America in general, and women in their struggles of being heard? You would think some of the biggest companies like Facebook and Google, and on the surface, it seems like there's progress and they really care about it. And I, I think they do. But there's a lot to be done in terms of like representation in leadership levels and positions. I think it's we're still like way behind. While there's been some progress, I think there's still a lot of work to do. Because I, I know it's a problem just being in Silicon Valley for the last 10, 11 years. There's a number of women I know who have just struggled with this. And I, I don't think we've come as far along as they would lead you to believe. Yes, 100%. So for today, we are excited to have Rema Karal as our guest speaker. She's the VP of Global Sales and Enablement at Big Panda, and she's one of the 2021 Women of Influence in Silicon Valley. She also leads Women in Tech Initiative at Big Panda, and she's received numerous honors throughout her career, among them the Drum Major President's Award from Barack Obama for her work with schools, police departments, and hospitals, and dispelling bias against minority communities. She is also a wife and mother of three, and she's a huge advocate for women finding their voice and bringing their authentic self to work. So, Serge, this is one I'm really excited for. I know you have a daughter and you care about her future. One thing I was thinking about before we started this episode was all too often we tell young girls that you want to be successful in business. All you have to do is just work as hard as that guy that's in that big leadership position. And I'm going to drop a heavy one on you today. When you tell your daughter You got to text me the question beforehand. (laughs) Do you really (laughs) believe it when you say, hey, if you work just as hard, you're going to get just as much opportunity? So this is tough. So I have a five-year-old and I'm scared because I think society kind of programs, for whatever reason, the wrong stuff for little girls. And I think every day we just try to say, be confident, be strong and do whatever you can. But I think it's just like, until something changes, no, it's- even if she works just as hard as the other guy out there, she may not 
have access to the same opportunities. So do I believe it? No. Do I think I'm, we're going to raise like a really strong little girl and she's going to be successful? Yes. But like, it's not going to be that way for everyone. Cool. Yeah. And I, I kind of echo your, your sentiments. So really excited to hear what Ramat's got. I'm going to go a quick break. Before we do so, make sure you like our show, share us. And if you have any questions, financial related, care related, legal related, or even a question for Ramat, Make sure you send them to ask at thefreeretiree.com. We're going to take a quick break, but when we're back, we'll be sitting down with VP Remat Karal. Welcome back into the Free Retiree Show. We're sitting down with Rema Karal. Rema, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Thank you. We are so happy to have you. And uh, we wanted to bring on a great resource for this discussion, someone that really knows this space. Why do you think it is so difficult for women in corporate America to find their voice and be heard? Yeah, it's funny because we're in 2021 and you would think that the challenges would be fewer, right, for women to find their voice in corporate America. But I I kind of feel like the reason that it's continuing to be an uphill challenge is because of how women are portrayed, right, just generally speaking, whether you look at social media and Instagram accounts, the most followed people on Instagram are females that are models that are taking selfies of themselves. So when you kind of look at that kind of portrayal of women out there, those are the quote unquote new role models that our, our young daughters and young females are going up looking at. It's a little bit superficial in my opinion, right? Because it's all about how do I look? And as a result of that, it's creating a number of different problems. One, obviously moving up in corporate America because women aren't looked at in the same way. The men that are most famous on Instagram aren't the ones that are taking selfies of you know, what they look like. It's, it's more like the trainings, the motivation, the workout routines, that kind of thing. And then I think secondly, it creates a lot of insecurities in young women as well, right? And with those insecurities, whether you're trying to make it in corporate America or make it anywhere else, we're creating these roadblocks for ourselves. So I think there's a number of different factors, but social media definitely isn't helping. It's scary. Like even letting my daughter watch Barbie, like I hate it because she likes the show, but it's so dumb what are they portraying she's just all these guys are after her and she has lives in this pink mansion so it's tough but like what do we do she's five years old she likes barbie what do i do ramat yeah you know it's it's funny because i like lee mentioned i've got three daughters myself and obviously growing up in today's world where taking selfies and self-images is a really big thing out there and it's funny because i do a lot of different speaking engagements and i get pictures taken for press releases and all of that kind of fun stuff and one of the questions my kids always say to me is mom you should get your hair done mom you should do this and and i said nope i don't want to especially when i have these different events that i have to go to because we shouldn't place so much importance on our looks. And I always try to emphasize that. And when they want to take pictures with me, I will on purpose make like a goofy face because I don't want to take it so seriously or take myself so seriously. And I think it's one of those things with with kids, honestly, Sergio, I don't think it's about what we say to them. It's about how we live and what we show them. And for me, honestly, I stayed at home for 13 years raising my three girls 
and then decided to go back to work after that 13 years. And I think my story is what I want my kids to learn from, meaning you can be at home, you can raise your kids, you can do all of this kind of fun stuff, but you can still climb that corporate ladder. And I think, again, it's not what we say to them, it's what we do and how we present ourselves. What do you, what do you say to women that feel that those decisions of being a wife, being a mother might hold them back from being able to climb that ladder? Like, do you have any advice for them on how they overcome those situations or they feel like they'd be looked at in a light that doesn't make it worth their career to pursue and go after because they're not fully vested in corporate America? No, I mean, I, my advice to them is, hey, you're being a wife and a partner to your spouse. And I think it's more, it's not husband and wife, it's about being partners and having a great partnership at home and being able to raise kids those are skills you will never learn out in the workforce. You'll never learn them on the sales floor ever. What you learn at home, I would use that as ammunition, as your training, as a, hey, I've got this. And you know what? The guy that you just interviewed next to me, he doesn't have the same experience of juggling two or three or five different kids and juggling dinner and trying to make a career and maintain my education and be a good etc. etc. All of these things. I have all of that. And I've done that successfully. And the proof of me doing that successfully is that you are comparing me to male candidates who have not taken a breath, who have not taken a break. I've taken a break and yet I can apply for the same position. I would say, honestly, Lee, use it as a strength. It's not a negative. It's, it's a positive. I definitely 100% agree it's a positive. I think there's a stigma, though. Like my wife's a stay-at-home mom and I'd argue her job is tougher than mine. Um, juggling the whole house. I, I, she's like a project manager, essentially. So I, I definitely think it's like a positive, but I do think there's a stigma that needs to be overcome. And I, I hope it changes. I was going to pivot a little bit and ask you, Rama, about your experience being a VP. My assumption is that a lot of the rooms that you're in, you're not only a woman, but you're a woman of color. So what is that like? What has your experience been? How do you navigate that world where you might be the only one? When I walk into a room and, and yes, I, I'm a female VP, woman of color, I don't see myself as any different than anybody else sitting around that table. And I think sometimes the stigmas that women create for themselves only exist in our heads. They don't actually exist in the rest of the room. And if they do, you're not helping by having any sort of insecurity sitting around that table. For me, it's about when I show, I'm very raw and very real. And I think people don't expect that. I think when you are the only female executive that's sitting in the room, people expect you to be not super talkative, not super involved in the conversation, a very kind of laid back. My approach is completely different. If, I, if I, somebody says something, I don't care if it's the CEO of the company and I don't agree, I will immediately say, I don't agree with you. The fact that I'm a woman or a woman of color does not stop me because honestly, speaking my mind and being honest is what's gotten me this far. And I don't see myself as any different. Honestly, I... I I, I always talk about salespeople being competitive. I'm, I'm super competitive as well. Give me a challenge. Put me up against a male VP, a female VP. Give us the same challenge. Let's see who does better. I'm up for that challenge. And that's how I think every woman needs to view herself is when you walk into the room, you're no different. You're just as capable, if not more. And you need to start having that same sort of confidence in yourself. Save this clip, listeners. That was a mic drop right there. Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. For sure. Yeah. But you know, you bring up an interesting point. So in, in studies, they've shown that women are just as ambitious as men. 
However, they also show that women tend to lack self-confidence in the workplace because I think, in my opinion, it, they experience a lot of other pressures that men don't have to experience. But you seem to master that self-confidence. What was your journey like mastering your self-confidence and finding your voice? Yeah, that's a really interesting question. I'd say, honestly, it's really about watching people and, and observing the room. And a lot of the times we walk into certain circumstances, whether they're social or corporate circumstances, and we have this clutch, right? I always say it like in a social circumstance, uh, a woman's clutch usually is her kids socially or her purse, right? And it's like you walk into that room, you don't have a ton of confidence. You don't know everybody who's there. You may not know anyone. You're searching for that one friend that you may know in the room. And until you find them, you hang on to your kids, right? And then you find them and then you let your kids go out and play. I bring that up because I I feel like that happens a lot, even in today's corporate world, right? Now, everybody has their device in their hand and you walk into any sort of corporate environment. You're constantly looking at your device. That's your clutch until you walk into the room and you find somebody that you can have a conversation with. For me, it was all about watching the people who walk into the room without that clutch, right? Without anything that they're relying on. And it's just their own self-confidence, the way they walk into the room, the way they speak their mind. If you look at the different CEOs out there, and I'm going to say only 7% of CEOs in the world today are, are females, which is crazy to me because we are in 2021. It's only 7%. For me, honestly, like that, the journey was watching people wanting to emulate people and understanding why they were a certain way. And I realized that the most confident people are the people who are themselves. Like, let's take Steve Jobs, for instance, right? He has this amazing journey, did not care about his, and I say this with all due respect, but his physical appearance, like he was like jeans, black t-shirt, black t-shirt, <laughs> that didn't matter because he, he kind of walked in and said, doesn't matter what I'm wearing. It's about who I am. It's about what I have to offer. And, and if you get to know me, you're going to get to know that. And I think that's the journey is to say, I'm worth it. I have a lot to offer. If you want to know what I have to offer, get to know me. And I think the journey, honestly, is just being raw and real in every single situation, socially or corporately, it doesn't matter. Just be yourself. And I know it sounds like really just be yourself, but you won't, you can't imagine how many people aren't themselves anymore because of media, social media, the way that we have to portray ourselves, people aren't real anymore. There's very few of us. So try going against the norm and and being real. And and I think you're going to make a lot of strides. Yeah. Authenticity, right? I I think that's kind of what clicked for me as I was listening to you is be authentic. And I think you being in sales enablement, my assumption is like, I think the best salespeople are also very real and authentic and they connect with their customers. And I think there's this whole trickle down effect in Silicon Valley, the best I think the, the people who perform the best in that area are ones who can be themselves and be real and connect. So I love that. That makes sense. A hundred percent. And that is what I, I tell my salespeople as well, right? Is people aren't buying a product. They're buying from a person they like, and they're not going to like you if you're not authentic and if you're not real and, and just being on authentic, I have to share a really funny story with you guys. I was invited to speak at an event very early in my career. And I would say there was about 30 500 or so people in the audience. And my first real live speaking engagement in my career, and they put that little lapel mic on me. And I went out there and I was about to introduce myself and start my talk. 
And I felt a sneeze coming on. And I was like, oh my God. And I held the sneeze. And you know what happens when you hold your sneeze? Like a funny sound comes out. And so that mm-hmm. sound was broadcast. And I really <laughs> heard it. And I just started laughing. And I said, you know what? This is a great way to introduce myself. I'm Ramat Corral. I'm your speaker today talking about such and such topic. And I'm real. I've been where you are listening to somebody else on stage. And as you can see, and, and it was funny because immediately I connected with people because I was authentic and I was real. And I, I think that's the biggest thing is the more authentic and real you are, the better you're going to do in any aspect of your life. And it's really sad to me because forget how it's evolved, but how it's being used and consumed by younger people and even older people today, we're losing that authenticity. Yeah. You would think everybody's a millionaire and on vacation. <laughs> everybody's smiling all the time. It's like fairy tale life. Yeah. Aligned with you there. hundred percent. So Ram, I got to ask you a question on women that feel that they are being held back from certain leadership, male counterparts. I have a lot of people in my own personal life that are women that are extremely intelligent and probably should have progressed further in their career than they have or they did because they worked in organizations that were dominated by males, had a lot of upper male management, and they couldn't seem to break that, to overcome the odds. How would you coach uh, a woman that's in that environment and tell her where to start and how to overcome these obstacles? Yeah, that's a really great question because I feel like you're right. There are a lot of people in that situation. I refer to this as red flag syndrome, right? Like you join a company and you have all these different aspirations of climbing in your role, getting to the next level. But after you're there for about three months or, or six months or even a year, you start seeing these little red flags. And oftentimes women ignore the red flags, right? We're kind of just happy to have a job. Somebody gave us a chance. We're really wanting to prove ourselves and do all of this. So we ignore the, the red flags. But, you know, after nine months of seeing these red flags, there you start smelling a little bit of smoke. And I always say when there's smoke, there's fire right? And you're never going to stay in a situation where there's a fire surrounding you. I, I think my advice is if you start seeing those red flags and after my advice is after being at a company for nine months, if you're not having that conversation with your manager to say, hey, this is where I see myself a year from now, what can you do to help me get there? If you're not having that conversation, one, because you're not comfortable with your manager Or two, you have that conversation with your manager and you don't get an answer that you think is, that fulfills you, that you think is sincere, that is on track, it's time to leave. And and that's okay because you've learned a lot. And I think showing the bravery of being to say, hey, you know what? Totally enjoyed working with you, learned a ton, but I don't see a lot of career growth for me, shows a different level of confidence that a lot of people, men or women don't, and trying somewhere else. And I think that is 110% okay, Lee. And I did that years and years ago. I wanted this position as a buyer for a really large retail company. And I was brand new in my career. I was actually still doing it in my master's. And I really wanted that buyer position. And I went on vacation. They gave the job to somebody else, didn't even interview me for that buyer position because they're like, oh, well, you're on vacation and we needed to fill the head. And I said, great, here's my resignation. I'm leaving. They're like, wait, you you can't leave. You're one of our top salespeople. And I said, well, if you wanted me to stay, you would have waited for me to come back from a one week vacation and given me a chance. And you didn't. 
I kid you not, as I had my box packed and I was walking to the car, I had them following me, asking me to stay. And I said, sorry, too little, too late. You got to value yourself. You got to value yourself. And I think knowing the value you bring, I'd say, hey, listen, red flags, lots of opportunity, whether you're in the Bay Area or anywhere else, the pandemic has made the world a place where you can work from anywhere and do really well. And I would use that as an opportunity to say, thanks so much, learned a ton from you, but it's time to take what I've learned and move on. And now I'm not even going to apply for the same position I'm in now. I'm going to apply for the position that I want. And I think it's okay to do that. I think not enough people do it. So that's like mind blowing to me. You said this was early in your career. It sounds like you had that confidence to be able to know your worth and value. So is it safe to assume that your parents, I think you'd mentioned that they were both in sales. Were they kind of doing what you said earlier about not just talking, but showing? Is that where your strength came from? Because a lot of people don't have that early in their career. Yeah, I think so. That, that's a really great point, Sergio. Yeah, my father was the very first dealer for Mazda and Volvo in North America. Indian migrant. He had come to the U.S. when he was 17 years old, did everything, kind of made himself into what he was and loved cars, loved, loved cars, took a chance they gave him this opportunity. He went out and he was very successful. And I saw him constantly change and constantly evolve. And yeah, I, I think that's where that confidence comes from is belief again in yourself. And I saw my dad have so much belief, even in my mom, he would actually buy dying businesses and say, hey, you have a business degree, fix this business and let's sell it. And, and that's, <laughs> awesome. that's what they did. That's what they did. So I was like, wait, shit, something's not working. My dad didn't put a bandaid on. He fixed it. He found a solution and the solution was within us. And so, yeah, absolutely. I think that confidence definitely comes from your surroundings. And to your point, it's not about saying, it's about doing and observing and putting all of the, connecting all the dots and becoming who you could be. Yeah. I would. Well, it might be a tough question for you around, you mentioned red flag syndrome. I'm curious, given that you're a leader, are you able to spot when people, or specifically when women in your org are going through something like, let's just say they're struggling, they're not growing or leading, like, are you able to kind of spot that? And have you had that experience being in Silicon Valley? And have you helped anyone through that? Yeah, 100%. So it's, it's funny you ask that question. One of the things that I focused on in the pandemic was emotional intelligence, because I found that via video, yeah, you can kind of tell what's going on, but we're focusing more on the voice than we are on body gestures and movements and, and facial expressions and all of that. So one thing that I really focused on was facial expressions and emotional intelligence of when we talk about something, somebody smiling, frowning, what's happening? What is the, the room telling me? And I would say, yes, if I notice red flags, I think I'm hyper aware of the red flags. And I've had people on my team that say, I've given certain people on my team a chance, right? Because I saw a huge potential in them. And I saw red flags, like they're going to leave the company if they are not promoted in some way. So I've brought them onto my team. And they're amazing. These people are really great at, at what they do. So I try to make sure if I see there's any sort of red flag, honestly, this, you're going to succeed in life if you have really good communication and not to hide behind anything. So I say, let's talk about it. I noticed you weren't happy with X, Y, or Z. Let's talk about it. Like, And when I say this, I sincerely mean it because I've had some not so great managers, some great ones, but I talk to them as friends rather than as a 
manager. I want to be more of a mentor to the people on my team than I want to be their manager. How can I help you? And I hope that's effective. Nobody's complained so far, so I don't know for a hundred percent, but you know, I definitely think I've become hyper aware of the, the red flags. And as a part of what I do is I do work with sales leaders um, across the company to say, hey, do I notice any red flags just based on performance, et cetera. And as a company, I think Big Panda does a really good job of being good to their people, noticing those. And if there are any red flags, trying to address them. So, yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. I think it's important to be proactive because right now it's like, I don't know if you've heard the saying, like the great reshuffle or the great resignation, like people are starting to think about moving. They've been home for a year and a half. Like maybe I can go to this company. So I think for the leaders out there, if you're listening, it's important to do what Ramat's doing, like be aware, be proactive and have those conversations. So Ram, I wanted to ask you, since you have so much experience in the sales world and that's what you do, you help with training and you make people top-notch sales representatives. What is it that makes a fantastic sales representative? I think the answer to this, but I'm going to say, be real, be authentic. Uh, I think that's what makes a great salesperson and be open to learning, right? I I have to plug enablement. Enablement is a brand new phenomenon that's come across, I think, in the last five or six years in, in companies where there's an entire department dedicated to enablement. Listen, the best and the smartest people out there, whether they're in sales or in anything else, are the people who continue to learn and grow. When you stop growing, you're not going to be good at anything. You're going to become static. You're going to get bored. You're not going to be able to any aspect of your life. So I think if you want to succeed as a salesperson, one, you got to be authentic and got to be real. I think as anybody out there, you got to be authentic and real, but definitely as a salesperson, And you got to continue to learn because yes, people will, if they like you, they're going to want to buy from you. But if you can't build that credibility because you don't have the knowledge that you need to answer the questions that your prospects are asking, it becomes harder to close a deal. You can still close it, but your sales cycle is going to be much longer, which means your paycheck is going to come much later. So continue to grow and learn and and be real, be raw. I know at, at my company, the enablement team is huge. And the work they do is like critical to any, any product that gets launched to push the field. I think, I guess the other thing I think with sales is I realized early in my career that I was not good at sales. I think like the best salesperson, like they know themselves. That's what comes to mind for me. Like they either, you either are good at sales and you love it, or like you need to get into another field. I think like too many people just stay in sales because it was like their first job out of college or something and they get stuck. Mm-hmm. but it might not be for them. I don't know if you've seen that, but I feel like that happens a lot. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. I think sales is a really good fallback career for people if they don't know what they want to do. Yeah. Uh, but I definitely think it takes a certain personality to succeed in sales and to be happy. Listen, there are some people who choose careers, whether they're in sales or anything else. And they're just like, you know, and I'm going to do the bare minimum. I'm going to get my paycheck and I'm going to live. And hey, all the power to them. If that's what makes them happy, great. But the people, the successful salespeople are the ones who honestly are, are not your typical quote unquote salesperson, right? They're those people who think outside of the box. And here's another story for you, Sergio. Like 
when I started off in Silicon Valley here, I was looking for work, trying to figure out what I want to do. And guess what? I wanted to be a salesperson. And (laughs) so I went to a pharmaceutical company and I'll never forget. They said, hey, have you watched The Wolf of Wall Street? And I had it. I'm really a movie buff. (laughs) I was like, and they gave me a pen and they said, okay, you've got 30 seconds. Tell me this pen. And I was like, what the hell? (laughs) And, And it was funny because I was able to sell them the pen, but it was wasn't because I focused on the pen. It was because of the questions that I asked them, right? I said, well, how often are you going to use that pen? Do you need a blue ink or black ink pen? Because this one only comes in blue. Do you always wear a white jacket? Because, hey, you're a doctor. Because, hey, that's awesome. so I, I think for, for good salespeople, you want to go out there and, and you're wondering, hey, is sales for me? Am I going to be good at it? Think about when you have conversations with people, are you talking most of the time? Or are you listening? And when you're talking, are you asking questions or are you just talking at people? Because successful salespeople, people who are good at what they do and that's a career for them are those that are talking 20% of the time. And that 20% of the time is asking questions and listening the other 80% of the time. And again, thinking outside of the box, like the types of questions you're going to ask. I hope that answers your question, Sergio. I actually had a similar experience uh, when I came out of college. I was trying to find a job. And I wasn't aware of the whole sell this pen question. <laughs> I had this interview with three other people in the room. So it's already nerve wracking. Your kid coming out of college, you got three people looking at you from across the table and they're like, sell this pen. So what I did is I got up, I leaned across the table and I grabbed all three of the pens that they had in their hands. <laughs> and, I, and I said, how much do you want for this pen? <laughs> That's pretty good. And they, actually didn't, pretty they, good. they didn't call me back though. <laughs> oh man. Well, hey, Rab, I got to ask you another question. Obviously your father's had an amazing impact on your life and he's taught you so much. I think it's probably a big reason why you're so successful. What do you want and what do you want for your daughters and what do you want to them to remember you as? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, What I want for my daughters is I don't want them to ever have any regrets. Everything that whether we succeed at it or if we fail at it, it's a learning experience. And I want them to always think of life in that way. It's not like, oh, I didn't do well in this or I failed at whatever. It's more, what did I learn from it? So I want them to always think positively about everything that's in their life. I think that's a really big one for me. I also want them to know that anything is possible. Literally anything is possible, whether you want to be the president of the United States, or you want to start your own company, your destiny is in your hands. It's not in anybody else's hands. And don't give people the power to think that they can control your life. Because you know what, whether it's my daughter or somebody else out there that's unhappy in their career, Why are we so willingly giving up power for people to dictate how we live our lives? If you're unhappy with something, you're unhappy in a situation, you do have the power to get up and try something else. So I, I really want them to know that and that the biggest success in life is having something to hold on to, having faith, having guidance, having some sort of direction. If you are just kind of going through the motions and yeah, hey, you're a successful neurosurgeon, but you have no empathy towards others, you haven't given back to the community, have you really succeeded? In my opinion, no. I mean, you got to live a balanced life. 
a happy, balanced life without any roadblocks or giving people power to control you. You're in control of your own quote unquote destiny. You're in control of your own life and happiness in life. It does not just come from wealth. It comes from giving back. It comes from being a well-rounded person. That's what I, I want to leave them with. And that's how I want them to remember me is, hey, our mom was a mom. She was a good wife. She was a good daughter. She raised us really well. She took this hiatus from her career. She took a break to raise us. She went back and she saw what she wanted and she went for it. She didn't let anything stop her. So we shouldn't let anything stop us either from achieving our own successes. Thank you so much. That was a phenomenal answer. If people want to reach out to you, Rem, how can they contact you? You can find me on LinkedIn. Rem Ramont Carell, I think, is my tag on LinkedIn. You can find me on Instagram, Ramont.Carell1 on Instagram. You can always shoot me an email. You can reach out to me at Rem, R-E-M, Carell, K-H-A-R-A-L at Gmail. Reach out to me. Rem, thank you so much for coming on today. You've been amazing. You've been listening to The Free Retiree Show. So long for now. Securities offered through Securities America Incorporated, member of FINRA, www.finra.org, SIPC, www.sipc.org, a separate entity. Lee Michael Murphy is licensed for the California Department of Insurance, license 0H18660. Lee Michael Murphy is a investment advisor representative with Securities America Advisors, a registered investment advisor. The Free Retiree, Securities America Advisors, and Securities America Incorporated are separate entities. Career Advisor Sergio Patterson, Attorney Matt McElroy are not affiliated with Securities America Advisors or Securities America Incorporated. Securities America Advisors, Securities America Incorporated, and its representatives do not provide tax or legal advice. Therefore, it's important to coordinate with your tax or legal advisor regarding your specific situation. The content heard in this podcast is not intended to be tax, investment, or legal advice and is intended as general guidance only. You should contact your own tax advisor, financial advisor, or attorney to answer questions about your specific situation or needs before acting upon this information. Third-party source information or comments are not verified, may not be accurate, and are not necessarily representative of all client or audience experience. A portion of this event was paid by a third party. The opinions of career advisor Sergio Patterson do not reflect the opinions of LinkedIn Incorporated or Microsoft Corporation. The opinions of attorney Matt McElroy do not reflect the opinions of Castaneda and company.